Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Waste Books, a monthly book club podcast by Waste Division Art Collective and Online Magazine. We were on a bit of a hiatus over the summer, hard at work on a DIY arts and community festival in beautiful downtown Billings, Montana called Richard Dryfest. It was the fifth year and it was a great year. Uh, we had 60 artists of all kinds come and uh, show their stuff at eight venues. And it was uh, a lot of work, as you might imagine, so we didn't really have time to work on the podcast as we might have liked. But we're back with the start of the school year. Happy to be reading and chatting. And we got to read a very cool book this month. It's called Be Here Now by Ram Das. Uh, we were joined by our friend, Wendy Kay, who uh, ended up being a great guest, and we had a great conversation. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to check out our website, waste-division.org, for more material, uh, which includes photography, poetry, fiction, essays, comics, videos, music, and other stuff that you'll like, probably, hopefully. Anyway, without further ado, here's our conversation about Be Here Now. Waste. 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 Books! Um, so let's start as we usually start, and this time it's especially uh, important because we have a guest. Oh. Wendy K is with us. Hello, glad to be here. Mm-hmm. Hello, uh, hello. So go ahead, whoever wants to just start with uh, who they are and where they are. Uh, I guess I'll start since you kind of introduced me already. Uh, sure. My name's Wendy K, and I'm in Missoula, Montana currently. Nice zoo town. Uh, this is Eric. I'm out in Eugene, Oregon. This is Daniel. I'm out in Bangkok, Thailand. This is Phil in Billings, Montana. And this is Jordan in Bay Harbor, Maine. Sweet. Um, So, yeah, this this episode we have a guest, Wendy, and we uh, had her pick the book. And tell us what you picked, Wendy, and why. Um, So I picked Be Here Now by Baba Ram Dass. And, um, I, why the fuck did I pick this book? It's, (laughs) it's, it's absurd, but it also, um, has a lot of meaning to me personally, I guess. Um, it kind of came to me, um, at fire camp. In a dream. (laughs) In a dream. Uh, Yeah, this random guy um, that I worked with a couple summers ago recommended it and actually just gave it to me. And then um, I read it all at fire camp and then um, another individual saw me reading it and he was like, holy shit, you're reading this book? Like, this book changed my life. It, like, made me, like... He was just telling me how he... Um, 
abandoned his way of life um, mm. in the Western world and like went to India, like got a divorce. Oh, so he did like, it. Found himself. Yeah, he he did the damn thing, and um, I was like, wow, that's pretty pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty ballsy. Yeah. So then he um, he gave me some further reading after this book. Um, he recommended the Bhagavad Gita, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, I really I really enjoyed this book. This is my second time running through, and um, I think I picked up on a little bit more than I did the first time. I'd say mm-hmm. I don't know. What did What did you guys think of it? First of all, I have a question. What is Fire Camp? Oh, um, Fire Camp uh, is when you go work 16 hours a day feeding firefighters um, for weeks at a time. Yep. I wasn't sure if you meant it was like some kind of camp where you learn how to do stuff with fire. Uh, yeah. That sounded very intriguing. Uh, I'm actually, actually, I'm a firebender. Yes. So yes. That's pretty sick. I'm a waterbender person. Um, yeah, but so first impressions of this book. I know some of us were anticipating uh, hippie bullshit, which I think is fair. But mm-hmm. um, who said that? Who said? Yeah. Ah. Daniel. No, no, I'm calling no. you out, Dan. No, man. No, no, no. Well, I, maybe I, before that, should should we even like talk about what it is? Give a summary of it somewhere? No, well, I just thought that like overarching okay. impressions would be a good place to start. If everybody else thinks that's cool. It's very hard to summarize because like although it's broken up into like four distinct parts, I mean you can pretty you can summarize the first part, which is um <laughs> obviously the most linear yeah. And uh, right. most based in like day to day life, but I mean, when, once you get into the second part, it's really hard to summarize what's going on. It's more of, I mean, uh, to use a bullshit hippie term, it's more of an experience, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I was curious, like, what you thought, Dan. Like, did you like it or did you not like it? No, no, yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed the first part. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that his point of departure wasn't a job that's like sincerely or severely unfulfilling. Like, yes, it'd be easy to be like, oh, well, my, like, uh, all our desires are unquenchable and everything's fucked. Like, if you had a really shitty job, but it'd also be really easy to do that if you had like, you know, you hear people like stockbrokers and mm. traders and like people who live like the most luxurious lives being like, you know what, it just couldn't make me happy. And then I turned to his spiritual path. But, like, it was really interesting to see this dude come at it from, like, like he was a professor. He was a professor like of psychology, right? Right, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's a pretty pretty nerdy... At Harvard. Yeah, that's a pretty, like, I mean, it's, it's like, very prestigious, but it's also very nerdy. Like, it's not hip, <laughs> exactly. And so to see him re- renounce all this, you know, material worldview from that well, particular vantage point was kind of interesting. Yeah, I I do think he was pretty hip though. Like yeah, yeah, no, and he did. He talked about how he was like he had a what was it a, a yacht or something like that. He talked about he had yeah he had a yacht and an airplane and like however many cars and he talked right. about like doing orgies and like partying a decent amount. 
Right. And, um, and he was part of that first group of people doing, you know, LSD and mushrooms and like, including what, how yeah. Huxley was part of that. Yep. Yeah, and Tim Leary. Yeah. And Tim Leary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like on the vanguard of that stuff, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that still like comes throughout his, like this whole thing is a trip really. Like it's right. a cliche, but mm-hmm. it definitely is like, all you have to do is open up to that middle section and land on any page and see how weird it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting that like he's clean now as like a monkish guy, but mm-hmm. he still has that sensibility of like using the language of psychedelia and um, the imagery and that kind of stuff. Right. Totally. Well, I, I came at this from a very skeptical point of view. Uh, it did seem to come from the whole hippie bullshit category, but I've always been very appreciative of mysticism and a lot of the anti-positivist thinking that's in philosophy and art, guys like Nietzsche, which surprisingly comes together pretty well with this. I think it's sometimes about the approach that's different, being more maybe, uh, dogmatic or ritualistic about it or very specific in ways that are similar to the bible that i i'm not very fond of uh i i guess i i have 10 pages left i was reading this in the park so i have not technically finished it but it to me walking in the forest yesterday and reading this and i've been kind of embodying i'm trying to embody this book for the last couple days and being in nature uh it has I think if you don't hold, if you don't take it that seriously, I think it's more powerful. And I don't mean that in a way that belittles it. I think it's almost supposed to not be. Eric, you were skeptical, I, I remember. Yeah, right? I think uh, it was more because it was kind of taking me out of our my comfort zone of mostly reading fiction and mm. more linear nonfiction, like mm. fiction-like nonfiction. And Sure. Like Dan said, I really enjoyed the first part, especially because it was kind of his journey, and I kind of enjoyed watching him fumble through the first part of India, where he kind of shows up and he has no idea what the hell he's doing, but he mm. brought all this fucking like acid in a jar because <laughs> he just wanted to be like doing acid the whole time while trying to get enlightened, and you know, obviously some of that fell away eventually. Um, right. But I really enjoyed that part because it was the human experience, you know, uh, kind of connecting with him on a. A level of self-discovery um and i thought you know i thought it was really interesting i really thought that the middle parts were um really in- interesting not that they necessarily brought about anything major i don't know but i really enjoyed the different kind of quirky uh illustrations along mm-hmm. with the text and how they were doing different things on the pages there's a lot of them that go back and forth left to right that he speci- you could tell he's specifically doing to kind of play with the imagery on the page. Mm. And so I kind yeah. of enjoyed that a lot. <clears throat> That's the thing. When I like open up to that middle part, like this morning I was going back through it and I just kind of ended up getting sucked in mm-hmm. where like I wasn't even necessarily reading all the words. Uh, some of them I would because right. like one phrase would like catch my eye and want to see. But otherwise, like there's just this heaviness about it that like calls you in i i think um it's hard to put down when you start um yeah 
when you really start leafing through it. And I found this out because um, I, I was going to tell you, I really wish I had a physical copy of this because oh yeah, I really wouldn't be able to put it down. But like, I did just download it on the internet basically, and so it's just on my computer. And even that was like, once you start <laughs> going through the art, you realize like. Like in an hour or two, you're like, "Wow, I really went through a lot." And you, but you also feel like you, you appreciate it as well. You know, you're not just like skimming over it because it's totally. it's not something you really skim over. It's it's like art. Like you sit there and enjoy it. I was reading on breaks between, like at work, like even like 15 minute like uh, sections of reading, and I was surprised at how how much I was getting through in just those little time periods. Because mm. I was kind of like you were saying, it's kind of. Because they some of the pages connect to each other for like mm-hmm. four or five pages too, right. right? So you're trying to also understand what he's go like getting to getting what at. the point is on that. right of each little section, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool to have like somebody who's obviously well educated putting something together like this because there's definitely mm-hmm. an organization to it, right? Like he was writing research papers before, and that kind of comes totally. Through. Um, mm-hmm. it's split into four parts. Uh, the first part is the journey, which uh, involves a transformation of Doctor Richard Alpert, PhD, into Baba Ram Das. Uh, the second section is called From Bindu to Ohas, and it's the core book which is interesting, and I didn't even realize. This is in the contents. Um, The third section is a cookbook for a sacred life, a manual for conscious being. And the fourth section is painted cakes. I think it's just recommended books. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Uh, So it's pretty cool. It starts out, like we talked about it a bit before here, that he was... Um, a psychology professor at Harvard and um, ended up crossing paths with Tim Leary and Aldous Huxley, who had gotten some uh, synthetic psilocybin tablets. Is that right? Yes. Um, And they started turning on, as they called it, on Saturdays. And he kind of experienced the... uh, ego death or something like that and realize that his life was based on like merit and doing well and rewards and i don't know i would guess i would call it like a rat's existence or something yeah oh he like Um, the nine to five uh grind also yeah grind and then partying on weekends yeah yeah playing the game right totally one of my favorite parts of that section, um, real quick, was uh, when when they were first doing those sure. uh, tablets and doing those like all nighters on Saturdays. I love the imagery of like them all getting together and like experiencing all this. And I remember uh, there was one part where he was like out all night, and he ended up going to his parents at like way early in the morning and shoveling their driveway. Yeah, and, like his dad looked out the window and was like, "What the hell are you doing?" And and he was just like, what? "You know, just happy." He and started like, dancing. Yeah, yeah. I and thought I thought that was a really awesome part of that section, where and yeah. you can where he's starting to see, you're starting to see his transformation, especially like from Al, Richard Alpert to unknown. 
Um, yeah. So he's doing acid and kind of realizing uh, some stuff that he didn't realize before. But he's bummed out because every time you come down, and so it's like you get to see into the garden, and then you're taken out of the garden, I think he says at one point. Um, and how did he end up? He, he had a buddy who, like, a rich friend who, who took him to India, right? Who decided to go to India? Or do you guys remember how that went? Did he, lo he did he lose his job first? Oh, he uh, did lose his job. Because I remember he started to like just do drugs a lot more and like experiments with them. Mm-hmm. Right, and then didn't he? Didn't he? He gave some to students. Yes, I think. Yeah, they did like, like as a gift. tests with it. Yeah, with those they did like uh, the I end. can't remember the word. It was like it wasn't foolproof tests, like uh, scientific, like usually what they do with scientific tests with like blinds and whatnot because uh or controls i mean because uh the experience was so varying and they didn't want to influence people i remember him saying they just gave it to random people saying you know take it where you feel comfortable whatever time you feel like but just give us your experience before during and after and answer some questions and uh i thought that was really interesting mm -hmm. right but yeah, didn't he, he just got, I mean, I don't want to say lazy, but like, because he, like you said, he was experiencing the garden. Yeah. And like, if he just started spending more time there, that's like, he started to miss appointments and deadlines, right? Like. Did he? I think, I, I think he, yeah, he like. I thought something happened with Leary where there was bad press. Oh yeah. Yeah. He got something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, but. Well, anyhow, he loses his job, keeps lecturing about psychedelics. Though, like he says, he he lectures to the Food and Drug Administration as well as the Hell's Angels. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was sweet. And then along came a very lovely guy whom I had guided through some psychedelic sessions. Sessions, an interesting guy who had gone to the University of Chicago in his early teens and had taught seminars in Chinese economics. Started a company called Basic Systems blah, 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 and sold it for $5 million or whatever he made. Um, he was going to have a Land Rover imported to Tehran, and he invited him to come along. They brought a bunch of LSD and hash, and were just kind of traveling around, and then they ran into this guy, Bog Wan Das, who's a white man, but he's like really, really hip with all the spiritual communities around. Right? Yeah, was that the guy, the 23-year-old kid? Yeah, with the long blonde hair. Yes. Yep, the one from California. That's right. Um, but this guy's, like, really in it, apparently. Like, knows all the mantras and ceremonies and everything of all the different temples around. He's really, really turned on, as he would say. Yeah, but without the drugs. Right, and I, I swear, like everywhere they went, like he followed him around. People like like were knew him and like treated or at least greeted him as though as a holy man. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, and I remember they always got like all their needs were taken care of, like um, like basically just at random. Like I remember he talked about like wanting to go do something, and like Bhagwan Das would just be like, "No, like we're not gonna do that." <laughs> And like, like eating or like 
all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah. eventually, like, people would just come give them food and they would eat or something like that. Yeah, so, like, he did the thing. He was sleeping on concrete floors and um, not eating very much, just kind of doing, like, a pretty ascetic lifestyle, right. as I understand it, and, mm -hmm. like, became who he is, which is kind of a big leap, but that was, like, the turn where he became Ram Dass right. eventually. There is a cool story about... Um, his teacher, uh, oh, how do you say his name? Uh, Maharaji. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maharaji, he becomes like a student of Maharaji's or a follower. I think he's his guru. Yes. Um, and Maharaji, I guess, asks him about, oh, he says, have you got a question? And Maharaji asks, where's the medicine? And so... Uh, Albert takes the LSD out of his pocket and says, here it is. Um, oh, that's right. And then he takes like a shit ton. And he gives him... Yeah. I remember he said that him and Timothy Leary at the end were taking a shit ton. And this guy took like way more than yeah. that. And yeah. He seemed fine. He was just sitting there. He takes 10 hits of acid and doesn't feel anything. Wow. So the idea being that this guy's already enlightened right. and you can't... You can't either knock him off or make him more enlightened. And I always like that story. Mm -hmm. What do you guys, uh, that's a kind of a general question um, that I had. There's some stuff in here about like staying awake as you sleep. Did you guys get to that at the end in the handbook? I mean, yes, but I also finished this a little while ago before Dry Fest. Yeah. Well, anyway, there's some kind of stuff that is not quite believable or is, like, questionable. Um, like this instance, uh, people talk about, like, levitation. I, I'm not sure that he talks about it in here, but there's some kind of, like, sort of magical stuff. And I wanted to know if you guys bought that or took it as – took it with a grain of salt as this thing. Yeah. As an yeah. aesthetic piece I kind or – Oh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I think there are some, some points in the book where he definitely contradicts himself. Um, there was one specifically, um, uh, and also, you know what I realized today that is very frustrating? Okay, mm. so the first part of this book is written like a traditional book. Um, but it doesn't yeah. have page numbers. And then the non-traditional oh. portion of the book oh, yeah. has page has fucking page numbers. I didn't even like, I didn't even realize <laughs> that until you just said that. And then the last, like the very last book, uh, the the cookbook has page numbers. So right, they really went all out on editing. Um, but as far as contradictions go. Um, I don't know. I will find the page and come back to you. Cool. Well, I think there's a one part that I kind of was questioning what uh, the sincerity of the his teacher a little bit is because he's talking about you know giving up material possessions and giving up all that he knows, 
And yet I, there were multiple parts where he's following this little, you know, uh, guru around who, and the dude asks for stuff from a bunch of people. He asked a guy for a car at one point, like, can I have your car? And the dude ends up giving it to him just because, <laughs> but I was like, so is this dude, you know, is this guy, he's spouting, you know, enlightenment, but now that he's enlightened, he's okay to go around asking for material possessions from people and caring about that kind of thing when I thought that he was not supposed to. So that's where I was a little bit confused. I don't think he would be taking it away or asking. I think he would just say that he's teaching them a lesson, which is like pretty handy for him because he gets a car out of the deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I feel like it's a little insincere because I don't know if it's insincere. I think you can do that. I think my uh, pessimistic view on it is that hum- there are certain human traits that, you know, everybody has, you know, and, you know, greed is one of them. I feel like no matter how enlightened you are, there's still things that you want. And he, I feel like in some parts, I don't know. That's where I was just questioning. Is he using his position as a holy man to get things? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Even though he's supposed to be not caring about material possessions. That's just my whole. Yeah. And I'm sure there is like some, there's plenty of uh, bloated, you know, sort of theocracies or, right. or institu- religious institutions where monks, you know, live like the Pope has lived, where you have popes wearing Gucci shoes or whatever. Right, right. And I guess that's my whole view on it, that despite what religion or spirituality you subscribe to, humans are still inherently human, and there's going to be people exploiting it no matter what uh, uh, scripture you're preaching, you know? No doubt. But I think, like, in the case of Maharaji, like, if you met him, you would kind of realize, like, oh, this guy can do whatever the fuck he wants because he's like enlightened and he doesn't even want it like to me i think there is a certain point where you can be like aware enough that if you were to bring that up with him he could answer your questions in a satisfying way or like turn him back hopefully i mean i i feel like alpert was very um also what's the word um he was kind of more um Oh shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Influence to maybe feel uh more spiritual around him and biased, biased around him because he himself was in a point in his yeah. life where he was really lost and was looking for any kind of thing to grasp onto and follow because he was so tired of the life he was living that maybe he was a little more influenced than some other people. I don't know. That's just something I thought too. Yeah. Um, Something interesting to note, I remember when he was describing Maharaji, he said, like, just, like, his, like, he was just, like, his presence was just so, like, powerful and overwhelming mm-hmm. that, like, I think, did, didn't he, like, he said he, like, looked into his eyes and he, like, began to, like, break down into the yeah. biggest, like, emotional yeah, I think he cried. Of, like, I think he life. cried almost every time he was with him at least once. Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah. I don't know if I buy the all the spiritual stuff though, Phil. Like you're asking, I think I take it more as an aesthetic type read, and I enjoy the the story and the text and the visuals. But I don't know if I necessarily buy all of it. Yeah, well, and you don't have to. 
I, I just wanted to talk about how, like, one of my questions for this whole book was, like, how accessible is this? Mm-hmm. Um, is this, like, something that's only for Trustafarians, really, with, like, the time to, <laughs> like, <laughs> bounce around? Like, is 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 uh, Richard Alpert, like, the Trustafarian? Mm-hmm. Or, like, um, or is there something here that, that is like genuinely helpful or like truthful um because like and i'll go ahead and show my cards like i think that there is something here even though there is like some stuff to look out for and even though he helped birth a culture uh basically trustafarian culture like this book helped helped create trustafarian culture and yeah so like i think to some extent, it might have to answer for that, or or it's at least it's something to consider when you think about what else this book offers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but to me, what makes it accessible is that, like, he he talks about it as a handbook, and he gives like pretty straightforward instructions about like what this stuff means and mm-hmm. like how to meditate or how you should maybe be thinking about how you can eat. It's it's like little things mm-hmm. that I think you can change. Totally. I and I think uh like you're saying I I like mentioned I take it with a grain of salt in that way where uh he's like his journey personally was very fulfilling and it really changed his life. Maybe it doesn't do that for everyone like you're saying there's that trustafarian culture where they have the expendable, you know, uh money to go do this kind of stuff and not have to worry about that shit. Um, but I think that, you know, in the case of like his journey, I think it's very genuine, but I definitely take the, oh, using it as like a life guide with a grain of salt for sure. Right. Except for like, you know, some of the little things you're like, you're talking, I think there, there's some little ways to just kind of, uh, interact with your consciousness every day to just keep yourself healthy. Yeah. Right. And like, I have some bias here too because like i've done yoga and stuff and have found it to be not for a minute actually i've been meaning to do it for a while now (laughs) but um i found it to be rewarding and stuff uh if you refer to uh page 26 and you'll find some great yoga positions that's right is that in the handbook in the handbook at the end oh shit yeah i was looking at those i've done some of those that's right i know it it makes me kind of want to... I love the lion one. Has his tongue out. Uh. <laughs> okay, that one is actually very intense. Yeah. I went to this yoga class one time, and this little old lady made us do that for, like, 15 minutes Jeez. straight. And I was... It, cr- it creates this, like, burning sensation in your stomach and in your chest, Whoa. and you just feel like you're ridding yourself of your demons it's crazy uh, i'll be honest i have never it, done yoga not that somehow i'm not surprised eric <laughs> but for anybody out there who just hears my voice and doesn't see me <laughs> and listening i do i don't do yoga um i don't know for some for me it's never been something that really interested me i guess i kind of um find my inner peace or whatever or kind of meditation in other ways i'm not 
sure exactly what maybe just writing and smoking weed high yeah amen but to each their own well so like we we kind of got into a little discussion about that first part did you guys want to say anything more about his uh sort of bio um, here like stuff I was that just stood out that to you or kind of anticlimactic part it kind of just it didn't really get into it kind of ended abrupt it kind of ended abruptly i felt like I don't know. I just like stories oh. a lot. That's just, I like narrative type writing. So I was yeah. kind of bummed that there wasn't more after India. I kind of, right. and I realized this was probably written before that, before like all the stuff post this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it is interesting that um, when I read this, I like, I, I took it immediately as attitude. Like, oh, this is something to get through before the, like the meat of the book. But I actually like, uh, when it ended, I was like, I I wanted more too. Like I I thought it was just fine, just because I like, it was something I was like, like most introductions to books, even if they're good, you feel like it's still like something to get through, before you get to the actual, you know, cultural product or whatever. And uh, this was totally different. I was gonna say that it sounds like the reason the narrative ended was because it didn't matter anymore, because he had reached that point where to do so would be distracting from unity with the one or whichever religious uh, connotations he achieved. Um, it sounds like that's what you guys were talking about with that first uh, 50 pages or so, but that was my take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I had just mentioned before you got back on, I, I had an issue with some of the insincerity with the the guru and the way he asked for material possessions. Um, I don't know if we want to get back into that, but that was something along the same lines with your religiosity issues, I think, Jordan. Do you mean how he didn't, how he rejected materialism? And uh, that was something that was hard to jive with? Or? There was, but there was contradicting parts where he, the guru would like ask that dude for his car, like, hey, I like your car. Can I have your car? And uh, I felt that was just, those, those were just like interesting parts I, that kind of contradicted the message I thought they were trying to get across, which was not caring about materials. I, I remember reading and thinking the same thing, but it seemed at the time that he only did it to test him to see if he was willing to give up everything. He didn't really want the car. I don't think he gave him the car. I think he just wanted no, to test well, him. No, it wasn't his car. So actually, I think what happened wasn't his car. It was some dude that had lent them their car. And when that dude ended up learning that he wanted the car, the owner of the car gave him the car. I see. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember something about that. I'm not sure, Eric. That seems to me that's not. I know. A, I just, big a just point, as far but... as the first part, that was just the major thing that I had with it. Sure. No, I just thought it was sweet that that dude, like, to say a last thing on it, like, I thought it was sweet that that dude had a reputation such that the car owner met him and was like, like, I don't know if he knew about him before, but was just like, oh, fuck it, here's my car. <laughs> I have my car. I mean, it is pretty boss. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um jordan did you have anything else you wanted to say about the first part there stuff you liked didn't like uh that that turned you on first part i guess i've been so involved with the last part 
I haven't. I read the first part probably about six weeks ago, <laughs> but um, it was very interesting. Yeah. I read the entire thing in one sitting. It was fascinating. It was a page turner. And I think oh. just in case I don't get to say this later, this book seemed to me to be the perfect introduction into Eastern uh, yeah. thinking. I won't say philosophy, but um, I think just because it's literally coming from this perspective of most people that come to a book like this are going to be quote-unquote educated Westerners who have this dissatisfaction, yeah. which is what he was, and he somehow streamlines into it many of the same ways that we do, which is through you know, psychedelic usage or uh, kind of flirting with meditation. Yeah. And then finally having this moment of surrender. So I thought that I really enjoyed the first 50 pages or however much it was just because it really kind of streamed, like it snuck up on you and it drew you into what the rest of the book was about. And it did it in a very effective way. Effective enough where that last part would, I think I would have scoffed at, but because I knew where he was coming from, I was much more uh, receptive to it. So. I think that um, it's also necessary to give it to give the rest of the book some context. Um, mm. uh, it, I mean, the the rest of the book could definitely stand on its own, but it would change the the reader's experience. It definitely personalizes it and mm. makes it. Um, seem like a story totally um, well and it shows that he's not much different than you right right like the reader i think it definitely made me more willing to go through it because i knew his story and where all this stuff was coming from and his personal experience absolutely and like if i were just to pick up this book and it was just the middle section i probably wouldn't be as apt to be as thorough with it or you know take time with it but because i kind of understood the author you know it was a little more intimate yeah so then what did you guys think of that middle part like it's kind of hard to encapsulate it um we could maybe just pick out like favorite parts or parts we didn't understand or parts uh kind of whatever because it's it's really a wild card of a part yeah so i guess the best way to describe it like in my book it's uh there's this the first section is, you know, 20 pages long of white, regular, you know, printed page. And then the middle is this, these brown parchment paper, almost. Uh, and it's like, yep. you're supposed to invert it and look at it like as if you're like, you know, uh, vertically. Turn the book sideways. Yeah. I was just physically describing it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you flip through and there's a bunch of uh, images. Do you, Wendy, do you know if he drew these? Um, I, I'm not sure, but it almost seems like he would have to just because they're so, like, uh, him. They're so him, but they're like they're very incorporated, <laughs> yeah, you know, very personalized um, with the text. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's not something you could just kind of like add in later. It's like a very yeah fluid piece. Well, I was wondering if he did, like, the calligraphy for it, too, then, and, like, if this was just a whole piece. And if so, that's pretty impressive. Um, let me see. Yeah, I wonder if it has any, I was just seeing if it had any, uh, credits in the book. They don't have a lot. 
So what what is this, you guys? What would you call this? Like a poem or um, like a graphic uh, yeah. poem slash self-help? <laughs> I don't know. Some people might say it's a guide, a guidebook or like his guidebook. I don't know. But this middle part in particular, like as such a weird thing. It just is. Just, just be is, here man. now, dude. <laughs> just be here now. <laughs> meow. Be here meow. Be here meow. Maybe I'll just. Can do you guys mind if I just no, like? No, not read? at all. Yeah, I think that, I think it's a good way to kind of give it some context. The f first like couple pages or something. Go ahead. So. Yeah, you open it up, and there's a picture of a lion man. Yeah. Looks like. It says, to Maharaji, of whose Ashirbad blessing, this is a manifestation. Oh, okay, so that helps. Oh, there you go. So this is like a bit of knowledge from Maharaji himself, I think you could call it. Uh, first page is like a picture of a, what's that, Jewish star? Star of David. And... It looks like a rose. I mean, it's a mandala. Mandala? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it says, The heart cave, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and then it goes, unquote, Unless you start again, become that trusting, open, surrendered being, the energy can't come in, that this is the kingdom of heaven, the energy, it is the same thing. Cosmic consciousness. Consciousness equals energy, equals love, equals awareness, equals light, equals wisdom, equals beauty, equals truth, equals purity. It's all the same trip. It's all the same. Any trip you want to take leads to the same place. Purify enough. Become, immerse, beauty, become it. The potter becomes his pot. Embrace the, the 10,000 beautiful visions. Become one with the universe. All the energy passes through you. You are all the energy, and it resides in your heart. If you can go within to your spiritual heart, your Hriyadam, Hridayam, you will then know that you are He. And it is from this place in our heart cave where we are now. We watch the entire drama that is our lives. We watch the illusion with unbearable compassion. So that's all like four pages with some images, like an image of a snake when it says consciousness equals energy equals equals equals. And it's like one word all the way down the page. And then the next page, yeah, the next page is, anyway, it's, it's a, and it reads like a beat poem or something. No, totally. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I thought your description of it as a graphic poem is It's pretty... very, a, like very rhythmic. Yeah, very rhythmic. And there's kind of keywords that come up, like he uses over and over. Um, I think it's interesting how he uses so much Christian. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he, he has so many Christian references. He, he also covers a lot of other religions. I mean, like Hindu, Buddhism, Taoism. That's true. He yeah. does say something about Siddhartha, I think. But to me, it seems oh, like yeah. like when he's quoting somebody, even later on in the book, um, like it's from the Bible or it's from Jesus. Uh, I yeah. think, and I think that's on purpose. 
to uh, like target that specific group you think well yeah and from what i understand he advocates for like pursuing your own traditions mm -hmm. um, because it makes like you have deeper roots in christianism or in Christ christianity, <laughs> christianity. <laughs> if um if you're a, if you're a Europe, of European descent, you're more likely to be able to tap into something like that. I think he would say. Um, mm -hmm. So he uses that as like a European, right. but also a Jew, right? He was kind of a Jewish intellectual, so maybe that's his heart cave with the Jewish star there. Totally. Um, but oh. he uses that language, uh, the drama over and over in this section about like detaching from the drama and realizing that it's all a game and kind of talks about ego death and, and yeah that was just something that i i was wondering about and i'm glad you brought that up about uh the mini uh christianity re references and now yeah. that you're saying that as far as it could be like an audience type thing and there's a lot of references to like being your own god like your consciousness is you being your own god and like your own maker so uh i kind of can understand that the the promotion of kind of you know using whatever religion or ideology that fits you best and just you know making the best of it because it ends up mostly being about yourself right. like i think regardless of your ideology you could be doing the same work that overlaps it's kind of like generals in college mm -hmm. right <laughs> like everybody Basically. ends up taking generals totally. and then you know different practices have their right unique practices but there is like but... A, a general sense of humanity that everybody has that's not right. different that we can all share and you know work toward well and that's something that kind of ties in nicely with uh, Albert's position or former position as a psychology teacher because they're like he's obviously well read um kind of a man of the of the printed page uh lots of quotes in here but lots of uh references to psychoanalysis and the failures mm -hmm. of psychoanalysis but he also uses like lots of freudian stuff in this uh first part there's lots of like dick imagery like phallic uh imagery mm -hmm. um which i think is interesting so i think he would say maybe that enlightenment has such a broad reach because we all have a pretty basic psychological structure that we need to work with like we're, he says stuff about the father in here like his father was questioning his way of life at one point and I think he would say, as a psychologist and as like a spiritually enlightened person or somebody that understands a lot, like he would say that that's something that does carry over. That's like an archetypal thing that that ties us together, regardless of your background, right? In whatever religion, but I can dig. Okay, trick and dig. Oh yeah, I was just objectively saying that I can dig with a shovel. <laughs> I digress. Um, Maybe we could just re read one more part of yeah. this. Please oh, do. I have one. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Wendy. Um, so it's actually a quote from 
Peter. Os what page? On page 40 um, from Peter Ospensky in search of the miraculous, which oh, it, yeah. I think could be an interesting follow-up read. Maybe I haven't read it, but sounds great. Yeah. Is it Ospensky? Um, Anybody know Ospensky? I don't know, but he's... I've never known how to pronounce yeah. it. Well, he quotes him a lot at the end anyway. Um, so this one is called Tapasia, or Straightening by Fire. If a man gives way to all his desires or panders them, there will, there will no... Wait. That does not... Yep. Okay. There will here. be no, maybe. Maybe. There's some typos in here, too. Yeah, there definitely are. Let me get a clean start so you don't have to... Deal with Go ahead. Shit. If a man gives way to all his desires or panders to them, there will be no inner struggle in him, no friction, no fire. But if, for the sake of attaining a definite aim, he struggles with the desires that hinder him, he will then create a fire which will gradually transform his inner world into a single whole. Um, I thought that one was pretty powerful, especially with the imagery on that page. It's like... Mm. These lions that are kind of like coming at this man who is like kneeling over fire and bowed. Mm. And yeah, there's a fire has... inside of his head where he's like kissing a woman, and there's like a. It looks like oh, faces yeah. of his it's family, like his... a little house, right. a sunset. Yeah. That is partly his head. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good little yeah, thing. Anybody else have well, something that stood out, or do you even want to talk about that? On that quote, yeah. I really, I really like that quote. That's a great quote. Um, I like some of the stuff just containing, like, just kind of talking about like the basic, bare bones, essential parts of Buddhism. Is it? You have a page? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Unfortunately, I just generally like those sections. He talked about suffering. He did it in a pretty clear way writing about that kind of thing i mean yeah. he he goes through the four noble truths um a couple of pages before the ospensky quote um i can read a little bit of this one the butterfly on page seven i thought that was a really good way oh one of my favorites and it was a good way kind of i it came early in this section and it was a good way to i think segue into a lot of this stuff go for um, it the butterfly. I am without form, without limit, beyond space, beyond time. I am in everything. Everything is me. I am the bliss of the universe. Everything am I. And then, and I think that says that's a quote by Ram Tirtha. I don't know. That's mm. what it looks like he's stating down there. Is that what that means? Anyways. Um. Uh, but you're still only seeing hints. You've got a way to go yet. Um, gate. Wait, is that still part of the... Butterfly one. Does this one go on for a few pages, or? Uh, I don't know, Trick. Get your shit together. Yes, it is two pages, I believe, because was there... it then goes into like the caterpillarness of a butterfly, yes. and which like comes back to the whole oh, okay. over, like the whole theme of ego death. Um, the paradox, mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. I I did find a page. Let's hear it, Daniel. Well, look at that. Um, I'm not sure what page it is because my I have a digital copy man, and uh, but he's talking about it's right after he lays out the four noble truths, and he says, 
You're going to lose it. It's always in time. Anything that is in time is going to pass away. Lay not up your treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt. That's the trap of time. As long as you want anything in time, it's going to pass because time passes. And it's got, um, looks like a man, like a Vitruvian man with a fire around him and uh, the cycle of life. In the form of a clock, actually. And it's, uh, yeah, pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's kind of just like nice little, like, to me, they're mantras, I guess. Right. Uh, like, they're very rhythmic and simple. Like, he'll say, the way is the harmony of the universe. This is page 31. Um, when one comes into the spirit, when one sees how it is, one understands that behind all the individual differences, man, womb, man, big, little, old, young, good, bad, every label you can think of, be think of becomes background instead of figure. What stands out is here we are, here and now, that's all there is. And if it isn't beautiful, man, there's nothing. So you say, well, I can't have it beautiful now, but later, when we get the food home, it will be beautiful. Later never exists. What ha what's happened to life insurance, to tenure, to planning, saving responsibilities? Nothing's happened to any of it. And then he goes into a bit, he's got a guy surfing. Um, and I actually, this is one of my favorite parts. Uh, this is on page 32 now. Uh, surfing, either you do it like it's a big weight on you or you do it as part of the dance. When you understand the thought is the thought of the thoughtless, your singing and dancing is no other than the voice of the Dharma. That's a quote from Hakuin. Um, singing and savings accounts and jobs and dancing and insurance and responsibility. Do you do it from unk, or do you do it from ah? Do you surf through it all, or do you carry it around like a load? If only you could throw it off. If only I didn't have these kids around my neck. You can't get away for the day because it's in your head that you're trying to get away from. And the only way to get away is to change your head. Simple as that. You want to change your environment? Change your head. It's all the ecstatic moment. If you know how to dig it, if not, it's a travesty. That's all profane. So I always like that. That's pages 31 to 33, A think, couple pages but. after that, like Dan was talking about um, with the Buddhism stuff, it has Buddha's Four Noble Truths that he has on here. Yeah. And those, and those are like, I think each one is like two pages or more. Yeah. So anyway, it's just kind of like a whole bunch of everything really like yeah mm -hmm. he bounces around with quotes and just little captures little ideas one of my favorite pictures in here is the divine mother or yeah. the subtle mother on 48 um that one if it's the one i'm thinking of it is so beautiful oh my yeah it's got all the little pictures in it yeah that one is really yeah, awesome yeah looking at it now wonderful there's another one just a couple pages later, 50, that's super intricate. Nice. Yeah. I, was always I thought it was interesting really in some of those more intricate um, illustrations that some of the words actually are kind of hard to read. Get lost a little bit. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that artistry where he's kind of purposefully 
veiling some of the words. Yeah. There's a lot about the Divine Mother in here. Mm-hmm. That that sort of illustration um, kind of reminds me of the Grimm Brothers. I don't know. I don't know. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Grimm Brothers, who are they? Uh, Like the Brothers Grimm. Oh, oh, I see that, like mm-hmm. the... Oh, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, the, right, right. The they wrote the those fucked up fairy tales or whatever. And they collected them. Yeah. Um, another one of my favorites is page fifty-five, uh, which is the spiral of words that are really tiny, that get really tiny. Yeah, yeah, that one's cool. Um, but yeah, we could do this all day. If if yeah. listeners have their own book, they can flip through it on their yeah, if own. They can't, if they don't, then they can just try to visualize. Or That's online. That's pretty cool, too. I guess Dan found a copy online. Yeah. Yep. yep. The internet is Fire a beautiful Bay. thing. Dan, do you, have um, a, do you have a link for that? Um, I, can, I think I can just copy and send you the files. Yeah. Yeah. We can put those up somewhere, maybe. That'd be that. helpful. Oh, yeah. Yep, and I was also thinking if we want to have a, like, when this is eventually posted, we should have a slideshow with pictures going. Oh, yeah? No, that'd be, a, I, that just came to me a few minutes ago. That might be a good like idea. Like a slideshow when... of these pictures? Yeah, yeah. Just, like, on a random rotation or something. Or, or like, include pictures with the, where we post the audio at. Right, yeah, like, yeah, just saying, just make like a slideshow that goes along with the audio of pictures of it. Sure. Yes. Something to think about. Um, just something to think about. Well, so this last section, I'm not sure. We're actually, we're pretty solid for time here. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much we want to get into the last section here. Can touch on it just briefly. Yeah. Did, did you guys, because this is actually a section that I had not read until recently, even though I've been looking at this book and reading through the first couple of sections for like a couple of years now. Um, so I don't know why that is, if I was scared of it or like, because I, I think I wanted to take it seriously and like maybe do some of this stuff. And I was kind of curious if you guys found yourself selves doing any of the exercises like the little breathing exercises or if you felt compelled to to try any of this um personally no not really i was i was more interested in just like reading about it and but like i pre i don't know it didn't really encapsulate me to try a lot of it maybe that's just mine me being pessimistic and nihilistic i don't know i probably and actually like to be honest i probably spent the least time amount of time on this section i kind of was skimming through and finding certain parts like i like a lot of when he talks about uh, i think my favorite part in this was 90 or time and space i like the ideas of you know thinking about our place in time and the idea of time in general and Mm. so i i kind of like I kind of skimmed this parts for like stuff that I was more interested in and I didn't necessarily pay deep attention to all of it. Right. Well, there's, it's kind of interesting cause there, it's like a handbook on, and it has exercises, but a lot of it to me, it really is just like more philosophy or r- reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and I think you can take a lot from that, even if you're not that interested in doing the stuff. Totally. Have um, Jordan, did you have anything to add? I know it's noisy in that cafe, but we'd like to hear from you. Sure. Um, as far as references to that third part, I think in the very least you can use it as a series of exercises for concentration and focus. Um, you can even strip away all the mystical parts, which you don't have to do, but I think that's, I think I'm going to try to use both. I'm definitely been, I'm excited to go back home just so I can practice some of these. I wanted to do them in the back of the van last night, actually. So I'm very, very intrigued about the breathing exercises. I did a few of the breathing exercises, um, but it, I don't know, it, it mm. reminds me of, for good and for for good and for bad, the reason why a lot of people in the West are attracted to Eastern traditions like this for not mystical reasons, but for more practical exercises like people with yoga or Tai Chi, and they sort of use it just so they can mm. be sane. Um, but a lot of people that are not that heavily involved in mystic parts that I respect are um, they practice a lot of TM. Like David Lynch, for example, is someone who talks all the time about TM and all of his works derived from that. You know, TM? It. Yeah, Transcendental Meditation. Um, like Twin Peaks, a lot of that is about TM. And uh, we have a book at the house right now about called Catching the Big Fish, which delves into a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, like Salinger was another example of a guy who would just practice meditation every morning. And for me... I really want to do this just so I can stay focused on writing and self-exploration. And I don't think one has to take the mystical parts of Hinduism and Buddhism as the holy word. Um, But no, I'm really excited to practice the techniques. Yeah. So just one point, like, I don't think to me, what's attractive about Eastern philosophy, or at least the, the stuff that I understand um, is that it doesn't try to posture as the holy word per se, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can get that. It's it's less about the scripture and more about the doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they don't really care. To some extent, they don't really care how how you get there, right? Or or how it's, it's related to you. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's definitely not authoritarian. Right. In that respect, at all. So I guess the point that I'm trying to get to, too, that just sort of interested me about what you said, Jordan, is that, like, even though you can leave out the, quote, mystical stuff, if you wanted to, like, like I've done that before, meditated on a somewhat regular basis, um, and it was, like, more practically driven, there's still, like, mystical shit that falls out of your experience, like, and you don't have to call it, like, the divine mother or anything, but it kind of... It's funny how it just kind of rushes in that way. I, I, I think with the comments I made, I think a lot of these, sim- of these figures are symbolic figures that help one focus on something that is more objective or less about symbols, less about the symbolic order of things and more about the real, um, whatever that is. Um, and I think that a lot of these... Gurus understand that that it's not really about uh, Vishnu or um, Hare Krishna or any of that or Buddha even. They just sort of serve as figures who have 
obtain this enlightenment and they are sort of used as models for people. And I, I kind of have it in my mind that once you do get to the end of the road, those people don't really become necessary anymore because you become a guru or you become some sort of a master of your own consciousness or some oversoul. Um, so I guess I think that's how I reconcile the two. Like mystical parts should not be taken because I, I think a lot of people do take it as, as sort of the, the truth, the capital T um, with Hare Krishna and Vishnu and um, it just becomes I, I really another uh, institution or something yeah, yeah, and I think the Christ Christianity is really good at doing that um, yeah. which is also very interested in his uh, inclusion of Christianity in this so um, I, yeah, I'm not trying to knock it down at all I just, I think that the biggest thing I had, the biggest problem I had was this book having a sort of sense of some kind of, well, what you think is not always right, and like kind of an anti-existentialist viewpoint, that there is like the higher truth is outside of you, and I guess I'm pretty, but, but it's also in you, it's, it's both, it's, yeah, you can talk about that for days, so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Anybody else with other thoughts on the last thing, or should we get to closing thoughts here? We're pretty running pretty long. Well, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna ask uh, Wendy. Wendy, yep. how did you use this in you, when you're in your personal life, like the third part when you first read it? Because you said that someone had recommended it to you. Um. So, as far as a plan, I had never really been into yoga ever just because that's it wasn't my thing and i was like it's all the same you're just right having this written out and actually like having uh images to go along with it was really helpful and actually so you've used made it me, um it sort of not like yeah probably not how it's intended i don't exercise daily even though I should I don't um I don't know I don't do yoga every day but I can appreciate it and um I don't know everything in moderation including moderation <laughs> is basically what this I can definitely re relate with that because I mean I think we all ideally think that you know we can uh, exercise and be healthy, even though you know there's a lot of temptation and desire in our modern culture. But I think you know using that last part is just like a way to moderate yourself and do little things to keep yourself healthy is like a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Were you guys surprised that he didn't? Um... I don't know, disavow drugs? Uh, yeah, that was an interesting section. Because he just gives pros and cons. Like, I guess, like, now that I think about it, he handled it about as I would expect him to. Uh, like, in a pretty equin equanimous, equanimous way. Um, like, balanced way. But, uh, yeah, I thought that he would say, like, one part of me thought that he would say, like, they will get in your way. And he, he kind of does say that, or they can get in your way, or it's risky. But um, but that would almost be contradictory because they led him to that. And I think he's he's willing to acknowledge that. Right. right. 
Can I just uh, read this quote? Um, This is from Haridas Baba. LSD is like Christ in America, which is awakening the young folk in Kali Yuga. America is most materialistic country, therefore God has shown his avatar in a form of LSD. In parentheses, a material. They wanted a material for approaching God, and they got it in the form of LSD. A man who has not tasted things thinking is true, how he will get the feeling of those things. Um, I think there's some typos in there, but... I, I underlined that third quote, like, an hour and a half ago. Huh. I think that... I think it's interesting how much credit he gives to LSD, too, in that sense, because it's as if the only thing that saved America was that. Ironically, founded by the CIA, but invented by the CIA. But um, I, I, thought, I was surprised he gave that much credit to it, and I thought that it was um, an interesting relationship between history and everything in this book. So like that was like the events for the country, and it was within memory. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Another another interesting thing I'd like to note um, on the the list of cons that he gives for psychedelics. Um, number six, he's basically just saying that psychedelics are illegal, and um, mm. because they're illegal, it creates anxiety and paranoia, which is not good for your mental state of being. Um, so um, he's not saying to not do drugs because they're illegal he's just yeah but he's just saying like if you're gonna do it um basically consider like how you're gonna feel and how that's gonna affect your um state of mind totally it's almost like an objective statement about the con and what the possible consequences of that could be like right. it's illegal here, yeah. so you could become paranoid because of that situation, and it could disrupt your mental health. Exactly, and he's saying um, if you can do this without attachment, that's great. So basically, like, just kind of um, abandoning that sense of like anxiety and right. what is wrong and what is right. That whole. Again, with the paradox. Very repetitive. It's about being high, not getting Right. Right. That was one of my favorite lines. Now I feel like getting uh, high. Well, <laughs> just be high. Or stay high, bro. Can I get high and then be high? Can I do both? Have my cake and eat it too? He, Guys, I suppose one follows the other. Can we get much higher, though? Thank you. Probably not. Fuck. For that. Thank you. We're so, you guys, we're so woke. Okay. I think it's time for closing thoughts. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'll start. I thought, um, I was, I appreciate, uh, reading this book because it, it got us, got me out of my comfort zone as far as, like, what kind of books I normally read. And I think that that's what's great about this podcast is that we can pick stuff that are, um, you know, alternate choices or types of books. And uh, I really enjoyed learning about Richard Alpert and kind of his journey through like the middle section 
I felt like that's what a lot of it was, was kind of getting to read his journey through all of these things and becoming enlightened and, you know, kind of applying them in your own life. So, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting read. And uh, thank you for choosing it, Wendy. Absolutely. Um, I, I am really happy that I was able to, um, I don't know, uh, help you find this book. I don't really think I like found it for you. It kind of found me in a weird way. I, before reading this, never like you, Eric, I never would have picked it up. Um, totally. And like gone out of my way to read it. But since it just kind of fell into my lap, I figured why not? Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I did it. Definitely, uh, made me appreciate religion a little bit more, um, instead of like the traditional, like cut and dry Christianity that I am so used to. Um, I don't know. Uh, 10 out of 10 would recommend. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fun read. Sweet. Yes, that certainly cannot be denied. Daniel. Yes. Closing statements, Daniel. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, like I said, okay, like I said, it's a very fun read. Um, I certainly, like, I like again, I really wish I had a physical copy because all the time, like, it's not just on my computer desk or my desktop the whole time. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing other shit with my computer so it's just like having a physical copy like i don't want to say as like a coffee table book but like as something to flip through mm. uh, Co- coffee table book is kind of close yeah. though and it's shaped like that a little right. bit it's square mm-hmm. yeah. um i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would although like i mean i had seen a little bit of it at your house philly and uh wasn't like super opposed to it or anything um but yeah yeah um i from what actually after this talk, I'm kind of more in looking at it right here on my computer now. I am kind of interested in at least just reading over the third and fourth parts. Um, I really only made it through. I I only finished the first two parts to be completely honest, and so like I after, <laughs> after this talk with you guys, like I'm in looking over it now. I'm kind of way more open to that. The idea yeah. of that. Well, Especially, that says something. And it, yeah, and the fourth part too, like you said, is just a list of uh, book recommendations. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe so. So yeah, absolutely. Would recommend for sure. Cool. Jorben. Yeah. This. Uh, I don't think I would have read this, and I remember. Uh, first stumbling upon it, I was like I said, very apprehensive. But I feel as if this is like a door opening, in many respects. Um, I think. I, I had this feeling, I was reading it yesterday in autumn, of course, as all readers of this book should do, <laughs> and I had this idea of this, like, kind of awe come over me in the sense that the first time you read some, like, really important writer or some really important idea, and the first time you read it, you have that feeling of, like, this whole world opening up and wanting to explore it as much as possible. I have that with this book, and if, if I think this book is really going to open my future experiences with the Eastern um, Eastern religion, mysticism, and philosophy, 
Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. I really do. I think in the very least, it's an experiment that will fail. And in the very best, it will change your life. Um, the, yeah, it, it was fun making the connections between Western thinking and Eastern thinking, and a lot of them do coincide, especially modern thinking. So I think um, it feels like a, a whole world's opened up that I'm very excited to explore. Two thumbs way up. Cool. Way up. Yeah. Two thumbs cool. way That's up. Awesome, wow. Woo! All right, Philly. Cool. Um, yeah, well, I, I feel like I've talked a lot, but um, I like this book, obviously. I was glad that Wendy chose it. Um, and it's fun to try to talk about it here. Uh, <laughs> it's like kind of an odd duck, but I think I think we did it some justice. And Yeah, and it was, I don't it was know. nice that we all had differing opinions, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that like it was compelling for you guys too, um, like because sometimes I just have kind of like a hippie fetish, so no. <laughs> it's nice to know that I'm not alone, or at least in having those uh, those a hippie fetish. Uh, is that what you're gonna call desires it? Desires or sick, inclinations? Sick desires. Not a hippie fed. <laughs> I, I would say a hippie fetish, like in a psychological. Just right. Some really term. sick right. shit. Oh, just sorry. Some really sick. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> no. sick. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like to keep it out and just kind of flip through it. Um, like you can flip through that back thing or the the middle part just to just to look at the pictures and pick up like a phrase here and there. Totally. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm going to do, I'm going to dive into the cookbook some more and try some of those exercises myself. So, um. me too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry. Sweet. Well, that's about it, I think, King. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy, yeah, for thanks joining for us. Joining. Of course. Happy to be here, guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Wendy. Yes, yes. wonderful. Thanks, everyone. Um, All right, mm -hmm. well. Everyone say bye. All right, bye. see you motherfuckers later. Peace out. Well, that about does it for another episode of Waste Books. We hope you liked it. If you did, again, please go to our website, waste-division.org, where you can find a lot more material and a donate button. You'll see it on there. If you want to drop us a buck for this episode, that would be very helpful. Uh, helps us take care of operating costs and that sort of thing. Today's music is my band, actually, bull market and we've got an album coming out uh, probably in like a month or two but anyway I wanted to put that out there next month our book is White Noise by Don DeLillo so if you want to get started on that we'll see you in a few weeks bye bye